The Bible Study Podcast, episode 747. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Joel with chapter 2. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Chapter 2 is a little longer. Again, we're talking about an army of locusts. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, like dawn spreading across the mountains. A large and mighty army comes, such as never was in ancient times, nor ever will be in ages to come. Before them fire devours, behind them a flame blazes. Before them the land is like the Garden of Eden, behind them a desert waste. Nothing escapes them. They have the appearance of horses, they gallop along like cavalry. With a noise like that of chariots, they leap over the mountaintops, like a crackling fire-consuming stubble, like a mighty army drawn up for battle. At the sight of them nations are in anguish. Every face turns pale. They charge like warriors, they scale walls like soldiers, they all march in line, not swerving from their course, nor do they jostle each other, each marches straight ahead. They plunge through defenses without breaking ranks, they rush upon the city, they run along the wall, they climb into the houses, like thieves they enter through the windows. Before them the earth shakes, the heavens tremble, the sun and moon are darkened, and the stars no longer shine. The Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number, and mighty is the army that obeys his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? I remember when I was a teenager, I read The Late Great Planet Earth, and I remember reading how the author there, Hal Lindsey, looked at these verses in Joel and thought, well, gee, this must be some future thing that is coming. It must be a bunch of helicopters and Chinese armies and all sorts of other things versus what Joel says it is, which is a bunch of locusts coming. And yet it comes in such devastating form that Joel pictures it here as an army. And he pictures it as that before it, there is green gardens like Eden and behind it, there is wasteland. And and it is amazing what a large flock of locusts can do and how terrible that would be to the people to see this coming and there's just not much you can do about it. If it was another enemy army, you can form up ranks and try and defeat it or at least try and fight. But what do you do against a swarm of locusts, just millions upon millions of locusts who have come to devour your crops and your livelihood? As Joel describes this, he describes this as the day of the Lord, that the day of the Lord is coming, that all of this clouds and blackness and gloom and this mighty army of locusts and all that they're devouring is basically judgment that has finally come. And who can stand against it? The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? And the answer is you really don't want to find yourself trying to be on one side and the Lord on the other. That is just not a good place to be, as Joel clearly describes. And there's this inevitableness of this locust, that they walk in line, they scale walls like soldiers, they're sneaking into houses, they're plunging through defenses, they rush upon the city, they run along. All of this is just terrible sounding. 
there's just not much you can do. And there's this this drone, the skies are shaking, the earths are trembling, the moons and sun are darkened, and how dreadful this would be. And now, of course, the reason for this, the reason why all these prophecies are here, is try and get the people to not have this dreadful day come, to turn around before God sends this to to repent. And so the prophet goes into rend your heart. What are you supposed to do now when this is coming? Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep before the portico and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? And so, as we said in Joel 1, that the appropriate response here, if God is mad at you, is to change what you are doing. And when it says, Rend your heart and not your garments, if you put on an outward show, of being repentant, you you rend your garments, you tear your garments. And we see that in the Old Testament of somebody who hears something that's blasphemy and they tear their garments. And he's saying, well, don't put on a show, actually change. Uh, we used to say to my kids, you know, don't tell me you're sorry, change your behavior. And that's really what's going on here is God is saying, change your behavior and drop everything and do it. If the, if the bridegroom is with the bride, if the bride is in her chamber, if, you know, just at this point, blow the trumpet, everybody gather together and, and do this now. There's an urgency in these words. Gather everybody, the assemblies, the elders, the children, those nursing at the breast, the priests, those who minister before the altar, everybody, and pray. And that is how you stop a plague of locusts, is you stop them before they come by changing your ways. The Lord's answer. Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine, and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern horde far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown in the Dead Sea, its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea, and its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he is giving you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. The threshing floor will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locust, and the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, 
who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And so we're looking forward here to a time when the people have returned to God, and God is describing to them how wonderful it will be, that they will have food to eat again, that they will have wine, they will have olive oil, they will have all those things that they're they're raising, and they, those hordes, those would be the locust hordes, will be driven from you, and they're going to drown in the sea. Just to say how big this horde of locusts is, the eastern ranks will drown in the Dead Sea, and the western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea, and it takes a little while to drive between those two seas, so going to be a big bunch of locusts. And he describes the people joyful and the people remembering their God and the trees being fruitful and people rejoicing in God and calling God faithful. And that is why God sent Joel, is to get to these verses. God sent Joel because he wants to get through this to the other side where the people do remember him and they are faithful and they are grateful and they are blessed. The day of the Lord. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. So we get this sense here, it ends here with this remnant, those survivors, those who the Lord has called. And that is one of the themes in the prophets that God has preserved for himself a remnant, those who are faithful. But the first thing I read when I read these verses here about the day of the Lord is I think of Peter. And Peter's first sermon on Pentecost, when he quotes the prophet Joel, and when the people are speaking in tongues and they're speaking the language of other people there, and people are saying, you're full of wine, and he's saying, no, this is fulfillment of the prophet Joel. In those days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. He's saying that God meant that in a very literal way, that God would be present and that God would be powerful and that they would. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. And that God is still at work was his lesson to the people of Israel at that time. That God had been at work in Jesus, that God was still at work in Jesus, who was the resurrected Lord. And that is our message today, or that is my message today too, is that God is still at work. That God is still pouring out his spirit on his people calling the people of God to him, calling others to become the people of God. And that great and terrible day of the Lord that is coming won't be quite so terrible and will be a little more great when we stand with him in glory. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. Or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. 
I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.